Welcome to Rationalist, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with the whiz kid, Eddie Matthews. And today, bringing in for the first time, co-host Nella, the splendid Nella Mertikovska from, uh, from Northern Macedonia. She's here to, to be our expert for the day. <laughs> what are we talking about? Why did we bring you in, Nella? Well, hi, thank you for having me over. Of course, we're happy to have you. I guess. <laughs> What a, what a cool title. I've never been a co-host. I love it. Uh, Nella, Morgan tells me you're a huge fan of the pod. Um, where would you rank this in the accomplishments of your prof- professional career, being a, being asked to be on this podcast? Easily. You're going to add this to your resume uh, as soon as this is over, Ed. It's already on, actually, this morning. Okay. That's actually why I invited her. I saw it on her resume and I was like, mm, it's just false advertising. We better invite her on so she doesn't get in trouble. So. <laughs> well, we brought, yes. we brought her on to talk about the, the naming dispute that has embroiled her, her homeland and, uh, the lovely country of Greece in, in recent years um, and has been somewhat settled, but not entirely so. Um, and so I think a lot of our listeners probably don't know a lot about the history of, of what we would, uh, one of the many names of, of Northern Macedonia. So I don't know if we want to, I can give a quick overview of the case and then you can either refute or deny certain things. And then we can talk about how it's going so far. How does that sound? I cannot wait to hear this feel. <laughs> Morgan, I think you should tell it verbatim how you told it to me a few days ago. <laughs> I, think I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but essentially, very briefly, Northern Macedonia or the, what would be the Socialist Republic of Macedonia, as it was called after the breakup of Yugoslavia, was... Essentially, uh, Greece believed, especially the, the northern region of Greece called Macedon, believed that Macedonia had basically been using the name of northern Greece to kind of gain influence and prominence based on the historical events that had occurred there. This is their understanding of things. And that it was kind of a claim to both territory and cultural history to call themselves Macedonia. And so when Macedonia attempted to ascend in NATO and the EU, Greece has continually blocked their claims uh, to join because of this naming dispute. Um, Up until very recently, 2018, when the prime ministers of both countries, who name I I cannot pronounce in the Macedonian case, although double Z names, very cool. Um, They've signed a PRESPA agreement and then both parliaments of both countries confirmed the agreement. Um, Greece barely and Macedonia's turnout was very low, 37%. And there's still a lot of people that disagree with the decision, but it was passed um, and Macedonia applied for ascension into the EU. And then France came out of nowhere and was like, nah, sorry. We, we went in on this the whole time. And so now the country is called North Macedonia, but is not in the EU of current. Although recently, within two weeks, they reopened the case and they're going to bring it in front of, of the floor again. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see. I like the idea of, 
I like the idea of France. France seeing this agreement come across their Macron seeing this agreement come across this table and be like, mm, I did not agree to this. <laughs> right? That's exactly what happened, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. uh, from your side of the story, Nella, how would you retell the ascension of, of North? And they did get into NATO, by the way, just not the EU yet. So, they, they are now officially a NATO member. Right. And that makes, I feel, uh, safer because of it. Yeah, because you spend a lot of time in Northern Macedonia. No, just uh, <laughs> I know they're a military powerhouse and that we needed some help in America. So. True, very true. All right, Nella, let's hear it. This is why we brought you on. You're our North Macedonian expert, so. Yeah, that's true. I'm a, see, the thing is, there's a whole thing going on with the nomenclature of this thing. So it's the Republic of North Macedonia, but I'm still a Macedonian and my language is still Macedonian. So that's really important to note because Greece hates that. Um, from your short spiel, though, I feel like you skipped a lot of the part of the history and just like uh, they stole the identity from us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is why we brought you on. This is why we brought you on. Let's let's hear the set the record straight. Let's hear the North Macedonian take. I mean, and honestly, I'm not a history expert, so probably I'll uh, be pretty biased about the facts if I do have. All it sounds like a true Mas- North Macedonian. <laughs> oh, huh. just gonna willy nilly take some stuff, from there, <laughs> some stuff from there. I just, uh, as a fellow co-host here, I feel a little bullied by my fellow Greek co-host, but okay. Well, what's new? Hey, I'll be the mediator. I have no yeah. stake in Greece or no. Yeah, thanks, Vance. <laughs> Can I please motion that Morgan Wack over there changes the uh, background because it really <laughs> creates some suspicions on my part? Yeah, Morgan, that background is a microaggression. I'm going to need you to change that to something more neutral because I Let's also see. feel um, an affront. Mm. Is that Peru? Uh, I think this is in Rwanda somewhere. So as long as uh, that's not, it's up to your standards. Wow. I want the, the audience to know that it was previously a picture of beautiful Greece. Not Southern Greece, just beautiful Greece. It looked like Santorini. <laughs> it was, it was indeed. I mean, yeah. honestly, in, in your defense, Morgan, that was probably Southern Greece. It looked like the island. <laughs> it was. <laughs> To be fair, my family is not actually from the Macedonian region of Greece, so I have less uh, eggs in the basket than I, than I let forth from Peloponnesia, so I won't uh, claim too much. But I will, I will stand up for some of the Greeks, if need be. If things get too far from the truth. <laughs> I'll let you have your Saturn. I'll let you have that. I sure hope Alexander the Great doesn't come up. I think you mean right. Alexander the Greek. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so a, a quick side note. I went on because you guys know, and Nelly, you've listened to this podcast a lot. So you know Huge that fan. we do our research. So in anticipation of this podcast, I went on, um, I Googled famous Macedonians and it took me to, I quote, thefamouspeople.com slash Macedonia, former Yugoslav Republic. First person to come up, Alexander the Great. So, I mean, I guess he's, I guess he's North Macedonian. Yeah. People.com has some strongly worded emails coming their way. Let me tell you. (laughs) I mean, 
there is a reason why we have a huge statue of Alexander the Great, the Macedonian, in the middle of the capital of Macedonia, you know? I mean, yeah. statues speak for themselves. It's like historic monuments, you know? I know, I know. <laughs> Don't have to tell me. <laughs> it was part of a propaganda, I fully admit it. <laughs> if you look at the... the <laughs> Whatever. I will admit that part of the ancient kingdom of Macedonia was in part of present-day Macedonia. But the capital and most of the northern portion of the country were not, by, based on most designs, at least based on my internet sleuthing, which I will say was pretty <laughs> bare thin. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me give a visual for the listeners who can't see. Nella just tilted her head and cocked her eyebrow in suspicion of Morgan's claim. Well, I want to hear her story, side of the story because we've only gotten the Greek side and then the EU side so far. Yeah, I mean, it's just really, it's a long history there. Like you're talking all the way from Alexander the Great from 300 BCE, all the way with how like it developed with the Byzantine Empire. And then like with the whole, I mean, there's just like so much history there. So to just pinpoint that, oh, this, the northern part of Macedonia wasn't the initial kingdom. I mean, really, what are you talking about? Um, A. B, I just feel like, can we just all agree that the history is always on the side of the powerful? So you can just, like, really, like, twist your narrative the way it fits mm -hmm. the most powerful, just like Greece was able to literally, like, change our history and our name just because they had the power in EU and NATO. I mean... That's, you know, we can talk about history. We can, like, look at all these, like, little facts of history or how it's been written or the maps that have been created based on this. But I think this is the underlying thing. Like, you're going to twist it your way. I'm going to twist it my way. But at the end of the day, it's the powerful that's going to decide. And that's Greece in this story. I mean, come on, Macedonia. I mean, I will say, we appreciate being called the powerful. It hasn't happened a lot since, like, 2000 BC, but we're huge fans of uh, being considered the, the Goliath in these stories. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, 21st century Greece, Greeks, econ Greek, <laughs> I can't even say it. Greece's economy in the 21st century doesn't strike me as the most powerful thing in the world, am I right? Hey, we like retiring early and sitting on the beach, okay? So <laughs> What's that to love about that? I think that... <laughs> I think the interesting, I, I totally agree. I think it's probably, it's, the, the story goes back far beyond even the existence of nation state boundaries. So we'll say that there's, there's definitely some incongruities uh, to be had. I think the funniest thing for people that aren't actually involved in the story, and pretty much everyone I've talked to doesn't really know about this. It's not really, it wasn't really a big story here in the US. is just when it's retold in short, it basically comes down to arguments about a name and, I think the fact that there is, you know, multiple agreements and, you know, there's daily protests against this up until the signing of the agreements and it held you guys out of the EU for at least probably 20 years by the time you get in is right. pretty hilarious. <laughs> anyway, you cut it. Okay, I like your word choice over here. I mean, uh, I think that if, if, it's very difficult to take it seriously because of the placement that's placed on the names. 
I think if, if it was about something like a territorial boundary, it would make a lot of people take it more seriously, but because it's just about the name, people definitely. Yeah, but it's not just the name. I mean, you're talking about changing, you know, a lot of like what we claim to be our part of our history. So to claim that we're pure Macedonians from back from the Macedon kingdom, that's going to be untrue of my side. I mean, we're literally a mixture of people, just like any nation in this world is. I mean, we are very close to the Slavic Slavic culture, right? Like our language is nothing similar to the Greek language, the Greek of ancient Macedon and everything. But just to claim that we have nothing from that ancient Macedon kingdom is just really like narrow-sided. And it's just like really like stealing that part. Like to say that I have nothing of that in my blood, that I'm just like a pure like Slav or ethnic Macedonian without nothing from that time of the history. It's just like, then like, I'm gonna have to say that you have nothing of, like, I don't know, I don't know what your heritage is, but to say that no American has nothing European in them. Or, you know what I mean? Like, thank God, <laughs> stupid Europeans. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, but I just think like, whenever people say this narrative, they like, they leave out important aspects of it. Like the Greeks have never, let me just go back to why it's not just a name issue, because yes, it's part of history. I mean, we're talking about changing textbooks to like fit this history with the narrative that the Greeks want. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're like changing future generation perception of things. So now I know about this issue. Now I'm on this podcast talking about it. But my grandkids will this will never cross their mind because it won't be in the textbooks. We'll just be the Republic of North Macedonia from now on. And this can I can I can I have a counterpoint, Nella? Yes. Your grandkids will have this episode of the podcast to listen to to set the record straight. Yes, and that's why I'm doing this. The <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's a very fair point. I mean, especially when it comes to nationhood and, and defining, like creating a meta narrative for a nation, people are really, really, really bad at nuance and non-dual thinking. Like Americans, we still are struggling for, like we're so bad at this that we don't have a new meta narrative that doesn't involve like an Eisenhower post-war American economy that hasn't existed for 50 years, 40 years. Yeah, and, I mean, I think it's more complicated in Europe where the nations go back so much further than and different contexts. And I think there's a different way it plays out where, you know, people are probably, I mean, there's different takes on how to promote national pride in history, but there have definitely been cases where people are more uh, willing to say, yes, please come enjoy this culture that we can share together, which would have, could have been another way it went, which it did not. Um, and so I'll, I'll 100% agree with you there. Is there, it seems like when I was uh, reading about the president agreement and everything, there was this kind of, and I know this is like a really contested heated term, but like this is, Zionism for Jews, it seems like there was a type of, um, like Greeks were afraid of there being this movement of the ancient like Macedon people trying to create like a modern nation out of that that would cut into Bosnia and cut into like a lot of different states. 
was that part of it at all or am I way off base or you can probably speak to this better than me Nella I think that the the tie-in with the kind of the Balkan wars and all the discussion of history and how important land and cultural identity has been in that region in the recent recent history has definitely played a role in how these issues are perceived in both places right so I think what Eddie's referring to is uh, with the Balkan Wars, there was a deal made that apparently, and I don't know exactly the details of this, I should know them, but I don't, um, about how like at a certain year, the territory that was taken away from the Republic of North Macedonia today, uh, with the Balkan Wars, basically was torn apart by by Serbia, Albania, Bulgaria, and Greece, while Greece took the the biggest part. Basically, at a certain year, that was all going to be going back to Macedonia. Like, that was a secret deal made with the Balkan Wars that could have, like, come up. Um, and we can claim that territory. So, I think that the fact that... So, Greece was afraid of that. That that's going to happen if we were to claim that we are Macedonia. That basically, mm-hmm. the territory is going to come back to us. So, yes, I uh, think you're referring to. Because there was a deal during the Balkan Wars made that at a certain point, the territory is going to go back to Macedonia if we were Macedonia. But if we're Northern Macedonia or the Republic of Northern Macedonia, well, we're technically not the same thing, so we don't get it back. So uh, I don't know, like, I don't know the facts of it, but there's definitely that narrative and rhetoric going around, which probably the Greeks want to admit to it, and probably Macedonians will dig, it, dig that document out of somewhere and will claim that, so... Yes, that's the that's the debate there. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, well, it. Uh, how do you feel about like growing up in Macedonia? I'll drop the north for now, if that's all right. <laughs> I prefer the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. <laughs> yeah. me. How like how did? Uh, you know, friends and family and the public feel about the borders as they were drawn since the Balkan Wars, like that the nation of Macedonia as it exists, are people okay with the borders as they are? I mean, I feel like Macedonians are really divided on the issue because you have, I mean, obviously, but uh, you have people, they're very strongly nationalist and they believe that this was all taken away from us. Um, and then there are people that they just want to move on and develop economically and be part of all these organizations that will, you know, aid us in doing mm-hmm. the same. So uh, my family, I mean, I don't know, my family is pretty conservative in that way. So I can say that's why sometimes I, I, I'm not a nationalist. Let me just clear that. And I'm not like strongly on that because I know like... I'm educated enough that I know facts instead of just being guided by feelings and sentiments. So, okay, I understand that. But also I can understand why for a young country like us, even though we're an ancient country, but for like a struggling country at the moment, why it's so important that we have certain history on our side and be united in that way, you know? So uh, one thing that I really feel passionate about growing up it's not really about the territory of Macedonia or claiming certain parts of history as much as I care about the Macedonians there in Northern Greece that have been assimilated forcefully into being Greek. So there's like 
narratives in the history that basically says that Greeks would like be listening in the windows of Macedonian families and ensuring that they don't speak Macedonian language, that they just speak mm. Greek language. And they would like teach, like they would not let them uh, learn in Macedonian language or learn Macedonian history in the way that's not their way of learning it. So that's the, that's the issue that I'm passionate about because there's a large number of Macedonian people in Northern Greece that have been assimilated into Greek culture. And I've heard stories, personally, I have met a person that his whole life he thought he was Greek until he learned that he was assimilated Macedonian and he learned his whole heritage and was able to track his roots to a city in Macedonia and learn basically that he was just like forcefully assimilated into being a Greek. So to me, like, that's the issue that I'm passionate about. Like, I want people to know their roots and heritage and be able to cherish that part of history without all this politics and, you know, bullying going around. I don't care about, like, territory as much. Sure, have it as much. Like, you honestly, even if you give me the whole northern uh, Greece part, what is Macedonia going to do with it? Like, we hardly even have a government. Like, we're really, like, not doing well economically. Like, honestly, we can't handle that much territory to a certain point. But, you know, I care about the people and people knowing. And you should not be learning about your heritage and your roots at, like, 65 years old. You should be able to cherish certain parts of you no matter where you are. And, you know, like, being able to know your roots and heritage you know yeah don't you kind of have to care about territory though if you care about heritage because if that part like what you're talking about with the um you know cultural macedonians being forcefully assimilated into greek that's because that territory is greece and so that nation has um they prioritize greek history and greek nationhood in assimilating people into, into that tradition a lot more than they would their neighboring country that they have animosity towards right it doesn't have to be that way does it like there are plenty of minorities in america and just because like you know like i don't think that spanish people should be told to speak only English and should forget about their history and their roots just because they're within the territory of the United States, you know? So that's how I compare it. Like, you know, like why suppressing a certain culture just because it's within your territory, you know? So yes, of course, like this has deeper roots, but it's just sad to know that that many people have don't know their heritage because of force for politics, you know? Like, you should still be able to know your culture, practice your language, and respect the country that you're in, you know, without, mm. like, having any secessionist politics, yeah, you know. I think you know. we... Yeah, I think we all agree with that. And I think some of the more forceful things that have been done in that area are wrong. But I also think you can see from that how how much emotion is wrapped up in these claims about nationalism, about history, that some of the fears of Greek officials in that region, that there possibly would be nationalist and irredentist claims on the land would stoke up, you know, genuine concern, um, especially considering how fervent nationalism in the region has been in just the previous, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because in the end, it's a compromise that makes nobody happy, right? The current prime minister of Greece said he wouldn't have voted for the, or he didn't vote for the deal. He wouldn't have supported it, but he will uphold um, it on his end. Um, and I think a lot of people in, in Macedonia feel the same way. So it's, it's an interesting case where I think it, it's a compromise that leaves everyone unhappy, but possibly will allow for, you know, once you guys are actually let into the EU, people, maybe it'll fade away. Maybe it'll be stoked up again. I don't know. What, how do you feel this is going to be seen 20 years from now if Macedonia is in the EU and you, you know, you've been able to access some of the development funds and better um, trading routes, those sorts of things? I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's really hard for me to predict and like, you know, like see the future at this point because we're so divided on this issue. Mm-hmm. And you know, we keep saying like, oh, just 37% people voted. Like, Some people would say that even that percentage is hyped up. Like the initial result, like the initial reports were that a certain percent of the you know people came out. And in order for the results to be validated, you had to have 50%. But even that was disregarded. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we just wanted to push this deal. So I think like we're so divided on the issue that, you know, and I don't have any statistics or any like public opinion reports to support my opinion, but just from what I anecdotal evidence, I feel like people have developed certain negative feelings towards Western powers and towards like joining this, this organizations and unions and, to a certain point, like there's like even stronger sentiment towards the east side of the continent, aka Russia, you know. So I just feel like it can go either way, and it just depends on honestly the economic situation, like how fast it recovers because of these changes. Like obviously, coronavirus is not helping in the situation because you know, like it will significantly reduce the you know like the progress that we might have made but i think it depends on the economic situation it depends like how actually fast it moves on to be able for people to justify this agreement but if people keep like keep feeling like they're not getting anything out of this and on top of that they feel robbed out of their right to express their feelings about the name and going the right way then i feel like there is a strong urge to basically opt out for the other side if that makes sense yeah i mean i think that it'll be a good test of economic development and how that affects perceptions i think we've seen that in many places where it's gone both ways right where economics either didn't live up to the hype people have expectations that joining the eu and other sorts of organizations will completely transform things overnight and when they don't there's a backlash, but also, I mean, they will bring tangible benefits. And if things progress at a way that's, you know, acceptable to the population and people see genuine change, then perhaps this could just be something of uh, a fun historical event rather than something that was endemic and, and something that showed these fissures that were persistent, you know, throughout the history of the, the region. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think, like, even in whichever case it is, again, like, the issue that I'm passionate about is, like, basically, every, like, I just respect culture and heritage and roots so much. Like, I am, I'm in America, I've been in the United States for almost 11 years now, and I continuously, like, put the effort into keeping certain traditions, even when I'm here, like, traditions that have been going on in my house and my family for years, 
And I just think that's important for me to pass down to my generations too. And I hope that people, even if Macedonia is like, I don't know, like the most developed country in 20 years, sure, but don't forget your roots and, you know, the struggles that you've gone through and and tradition and everything. So to me, that's what I'm passionate about. So. I, I don't know if I don't know if you've gone back through the archives, but we did a pretty stellar episode on nationalism. So uh, yeah, you might have to go back and give it a look. <laughs> we were, so, we were uh, pro nationalism. We were pro nationalism in many cases. We thought that it was beneficial. Yeah. yeah. Because basically, well, we'll just let you listen to the episode, Noah, and those listeners who need a refresher. <laughs> Maybe I should say re-listen because I know. Yeah, of course. Everyone's been listening to it all the time, so it's. I have a I have a question for you, Nella. Let's hear it. How being in the U.S. for eleven years um, and being from Macedonia, how have you tried to like integrate this kind of new American identity without abdicating, you know, the culture? you know, obviously your culture, your family's culture, your own heritage. Like, how has that gone for you? I mean, honestly, it's been pretty hard because I've been in places where I don't have a strong community of Macedonians or Eastern Europeans in general. I mean, I was in Oklahoma for nine years. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's famous. They were like, they're like Macedonia. Is that a type of tea? Yeah, big joke. They would be like, "Oh, where are you from? Macedonia." Oh, where is that? And I'll be like, "Oh, outside of Oklahoma City, Tulsa area." <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh yeah, I know that town. No. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, so yeah, so I've been unfortunate in that regard that that I didn't have a strong community and especially you know, being really the only Macedonian in Oklahoma that I knew of. I've only... I thought you're... I thought you were going to say unfortunate in that regard in terms of living in Oklahoma for nine years. <laughs> no. I'm Oklahoma. I can't be talking publicly. <laughs> <laughs> you mean northern Texas? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not American, okay? <laughs> No, anyway, so, I mean, literally, I only met one other Macedonian in the nine years I was in Oklahoma, and he was just the most random met in a coffee shop. I was sitting and studying, and this woman and a little kid walk into the coffee shop. I don't even hear the language. I don't hear anything, and I'm like, she's Macedonian. You have no idea the strong intuition that went. It was hilarious, so I just went up, and I'm like, this is going to be weird, but are you Macedonian? And was and it was just amazing nice. what about the little kid was he or she macedonian too probably stolen from greece but... <laughs> not gonna end well i can tell you that <laughs> no um no she was and i think like she was literally i mean the kid was definitely you can just tell i mean i don't know i don't know whether oh, that's American great whenever they see a fellow american somewhere abroad but Usually we avert our eyes and we just kind of walk yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> you, you hear him before you see him. There's a lot of us. It's less, much less uh, exciting, I think. I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a great story about that. I was in Pisa with uh, my friend Johnny, who's upstairs right now. 
We were, <laughs> yeah, I know. We were walking through some just, you know, beautiful part of Pisa. And we hear, <laughs> I hear before I see him, I hear, Carl, Carl, which, which way should we, should we stop for lunch before the cathedral, Carl? And I was like, oh, no. So, yeah. And I'm part of that, too. I'm part of that problem. Like, I was in a pub with Johnny in Wales, and I was like, Johnny, do you realize how we're the loudest people in here by, like, a large margin? So, I get it. Yeah, I mean, we're allowed to, so I don't know whether that's just American trait, but maybe just, like, a foreigner trait, like, being somewhere where you're the foreigner and you just feel like you can need to, like, speak louder for people to understand you, you know? Maybe that's just a thing. Maybe. Back to your original question, yeah, so it's been hard and in Seattle as well like I tried to find these Balkan shops that I go to buy this special cheese but it's like a 40 minute drive and I really don't know any other uh, Macedonians or Eastern Europeans around so it's been hard but I've been lucky enough that this past year I've lived uh, been living with my brother he also moved up here so just between the two of us we've been able to keep up some traditions and you know but yeah, I, I feel like it would have been a different story had I been in Detroit or New Jersey or anywhere in the East Coast. I feel like there are communities mm. and, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. But I'm very intentional about it. I'm going to say that. So I'm trying hard and I hope I'll keep it up even with years to come. So that's well, great. we're we're recording this in the day before Easter. Do you have any Macedonian Easter traditions you're keeping alive? So it's interesting, actually, that our Easter is next week, I think, because we're Christian Orthodox and we go by the old calendar. So the majority of Macedonians are Christian Orthodox, even if they're not religious, they're like, it's national trait that you're Christian Orthodox and we go by the old calendar. So I think our Easter is next week. Um, And usually it's a big deal. Like, I literally have three or four friends, they're hardcore atheists, but on the day of Easter, uh, we all go to uh, the the church in the capital, and literally, it's like f- like the streets are closed. the The city is just flooded with people holding candles outside of the church, and they're holding their dyed eggs, and we're listening to the sermon. And then, at midnight, whenever Jesus is supposed to, uh, how do you call it um, when he goes up? Um, Ascend. The- yeah. There you go. Sorry. I just didn't know the English word. Okay. Um, so we then like have a war with eggs. So we basically go person against person and whose egg is going to crack first. Oh, yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah. So we do that at midnight and then we eat the egg and we leave trash everywhere and we go home. <laughs> <laughs> I do, think- and and uh, do your uh, atheist friends make sure to turn to you at midnight and say, by the way, I don't believe any of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, regularly, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the kind of cultural tradition we can all get behind, though. That sounds fun. I think that uh, sounds fun. It does. It's really fun because literally have everyone coming together that night. Just like a social gathering, cultural tradition. Again, like mm-hmm. it's all about tradition and keeping this up, even though, like, yeah, you don't believe in this, but you're still being respectful towards the tradition and the culture. So, of course, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's great. And I think there's like a strong 
desire in America for that. If I was going to be the most charitable I could possibly be to, you know, Trump supporters who don't want immigrants coming into the country, the most charitable interpretation I could have of that is wanting to preserve some sort of cultural hegemony like that, that we don't have, you know, passed on from centuries and centuries. All we have is like 4th of July barbecues. And that's, and then people feel like when they're, uh, let's say white Americans feel threatened, let's say when immigrants are coming to their neighborhoods and and not respecting that 4th of July, I guess the most terrible, although I don't agree with it, would be like, hey, this is our thing. Don't like let that go. And I think that's the the tension between assimilation and multiculturalism, I guess. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think most of the same sentiment about, I mean, we have a lot of ethnic tensions with the Albanians who are largely Muslim um, ethnic group. And yeah, I mean, that's the fear. That's exactly the fear is like, oh, well, if we have this flood of Albanian Muslims and, you know, they're going to infiltrate our tradition and all of a sudden we won't be able to gather on the streets of in front of the church for Easter because, you know, you know, they'll they'll be the ones that have the larger gathering or they won't let us do that. So yeah, I mean that's definitely a sentiment for every Yeah, and I'm kinda torn because I can understand as a Macedonian, just like you're saying for your Trump voters, like how they feel, but being an immigrant here in America, I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> so it just like it just it's it, yeah. I mean I I can understand but also, I'm, I want to be like, we can all live in peace and you can have your 4th of July party while I'm having my, I don't know, Macedonian Saint Day next door and still feel good about it. So so know. in the end, you are promoting compromise on our, uh, our podcast about a comp- famous compromise in the region. That's what we're bringing it back to. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's the funny thing about compromise is like you said – Morgan, you said that, like, and this compromise, no one was happy. But isn't in any political issue when it comes to compromise, isn't that the case that no one's ever happy? Yeah, essentially. I mean, it's, it's about, like Noah said earlier, in the long run, whether this will end up having everyone be better off than they would be otherwise. And I think that, I think that will be the case, but we'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I, I don't know. I guess that's what I'm pessimistic about the era that we're currently living in, is that nobody even with the lens of history, we'll have the humility or like the objectivity to say, oh yeah, you know, as in the aggregate, this is better for everyone. This compromise is better for everyone. It's always going to be like, no, for my kind of people group or my party or my tradition or whatever, uh, we got shit on. (laughs) Well, maybe we need to take a note from... Macedonia and Greece and say that things can actually, even if there's still animosity on both sides, things can actually improve and you can, you can move past even long held grievances about names and other things that are equally important. At this point, there are winners and losers of everything. I mean, freaking pandemic, there are winners and losers of this situation, you know, like Zoom. (laughs) Zoom, I said, they were killing it right now, taking money from us. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are winners and losers in every case, but I mean, I don't know. Like then, like, do you just measure the people or the amount of people that are happier because of something? 
or the intensity i don't know but yeah i think in every situation you'll find people they're not happy with it but at the end of the day that's what, what it is yeah. do you want to pitch any of your research ideas for another podcast sometime before you go i know you've been doing some work on environmentalism and religious groups or do you have any other ideas for future podcasts you want to come on we'd love to have you back oh my um i may get used to this being famous <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't let it go yeah. to your head over there, all right? I know. Don't get intoxicated <laughs> with celebrity. It's dangerous. Um, I can speak from experience. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he hangs out with me all the time, so he kind of gets like... I hang out with Morgan here. all the time. I love it. Morgan was a two-time, two-time league MVP high school soccer it's a big deal. I try not to let it go to my head. Back but, to uh, back. <laughs> I will just say, I was at the CIF game that sent them to the semifinals, I think it was. Dude, I was one of the eight me. fans, the eight fans that sat through the rain to watch Man, Morgan uh, sink, sink a penalty kick. Uh, actually, that game we lost because one of your teammates blew it. But that's, true. that's all right. Good days. Good times. Good days. Morgan, this has been here. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, back to your research. I mean, no, I don't know. I mean, we can definitely talk about religion. I mean, that's kind of where I my focus for my research is. And um, I like give us it. a Give us a synopsis of what your, what, what your topic is or what you're looking into. It doesn't have to be a specific paper topic, but just like things you're interested in with religion. Yeah, so the general... Different. Thing. I mean, the most recent thing that I'm working on, maybe potentially on my Texas data project, will be to do how, you know, there's this literature that says basically countries that are less developed or developing have a very, like, they don't have a domestic constituency to make changes or to put pressure on government or corporations for, um, against environmental degradation. So my research the one I, what I want to focus on is see how maybe religion, religion can help in that or how like if you have a strong religious community that feels strongly about the degradation in the environment, like how that can invigorate people to do something about it because there's some research out there that says that, you know, religion can actually make a change in that regard. So I'm like, okay, well, if you don't have strong domestic constituency, like politically powerful, then how about if we use cultural traits like religion to make a change in that regard. So to me, that's interesting. I mean, I know that religion has been said to be taking a hit in modern times, but I think we're too focused on way too developed countries where that may be the case, but there's still a lot of countries out there and a lot of people that care about religion and uh, what religion means to them. So I think we just should not be leaving that out as we're progressing with our research in modernity, you know? So that's one of the projects. So, well, um, we'll love to have you on once you once you get a little further. We'll have to put a standing note on it. Thanks. And Morgan has been amazing, sending me articles and podcasts every time he runs into anything to do with religion. It's so. it's all just our <laughs> podcast. it's just our podcast over and over again. <laughs> yeah, Morgan has two religious friends. It's you and me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, well, thank you for having me over again. This was a lot of fun. I, I like it. Well, we really hey, can we, end, can we end 
Yeah, you were great. Can we end by saying by you saying this is the greatest podcast in the world in Macedonian? Ooh. Right, I can do that. How many fucking allows me? Is he not gonna faces at me while I'm doing this? <laughs> yeah, Morgan, mute your microphone right now. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll, I'll mute my microphone. <laughs> no, okay. Well, here it goes. Well, what's the podcast name? I was just wondering if you guys had a name for podcast. I don't think there is <laughs> yeah, one. I know, in, yeah. I don't think there is one in Greek. I don't think. I think they just say podcast. But yeah, I'm just gonna make sure to say it in a harsh way. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Um. Ovaj najdobri od podcast na svetot. That might have so to be good. our new our new our outro. When we, of course, when we're marketing it in in Macedonia, we have a big big yeah. following up there, so we'll have to. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I've heard people in Macedonia talk about your podcast already. So. Uh, no doubt about it. <laughs> we did this for the fans. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs>